Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. We start a new series today uh, that is, in a lot of ways, a continuation of where we've been. We've been spending the last several months talking about health, mental health and emotional health. And as we begin this new series on stewardship, it's really trying to get down to where the rubber meets the road of how we live out these lives how we understand how to arrange our lives in such a way that the priority of the headship of Christ manifests itself in our day-to-day life. We, um, we are also today dressing casually. I see many of us got the memo about the jerseys. Um, and, you know, there is, there is nothing wrong with finding opportunities to have fun and rejoice. I was looking at a uh, uh, some stuff online, and and you know there's there can be tension between the church and cultural events. Uh, this joke I was hearing from a movie or something said, you know, uh, the NFL is so big now, it owns a day of the week, the day that used to belong to the church. <laughs> so there can be some tension between the church and the people of faith. But I also don't want to demonize sporting events or uh, any kind of cultural activities that give us an opportunity to come together and find joy and enjoy each other's company and have real fellowship. There is nothing wrong with sports events in and of themselves. And, you know, certainly if if you are in America and if you happen to be one of these uh, folks that follow sports, you know there's a lot of things. We even enroll our children in sports because there are benefits of sports. And and many people in our culture uh, are enamored with sports. We love sports. And and I think there is something um, to learn from this sports culture, if I can call it that, that, that actually applies to our own spiritual lives. I was looking around on the internet and I found, I said, you know, why does America love sports so much? Why are we so into it? And it came across, there were several different articles, but I, I came across this one short list. I just, I just want to run through these. It, it says five reasons why Americans love sports. And the first one is that we have a sense of community. You know, it could be our home team or, or it could be maybe a situation where uh, your family has been rooting for the same team for generations. Or maybe it's a, a bonding situation between you and a parent or a child that you go to the games and it's, it's become a time of community and connection and relationship. And, and those are perfectly wonderful things. And, and so we can have a, a bond of unity around a sports team or a sports event. I think also that we also have a... a, a uh, characteristic in our culture that we like rooting for the underdog. I was checking out Sports Center, one of the sports talk shows, and there's it says most of the nation wants the Falcons to win. <laughs> Apparently some of you go to this church. <laughs> 
And some of that is because, you know, they haven't been there a lot and, they, and they're kind of a young upstart team. And, and for whatever reasons, we, we like seeing the underdog win. I, I can't help think, but some of that may be because sometimes we feel like we're the underdog. And it's good to know the underdog can get a W every now and then. And so there's, that's kind of a, one of our cultural norms. Then there's just the joy, right? We have good friends and good food and good times. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying the gifts that God has given us. There's nothing wrong with family and community and celebration and, and just having a good time. Sometimes Christians can walk around and act like we're the most miserable people on the planet. We're supposed to be the most joyful people on the planet. And so there's nothing wrong with just understanding that there is a gift. I think God gives us joy in all kinds of different forms and fashions. And that there's nothing wrong with just enjoying some of the goodness of God's creation. Also, I think we like sports so much uh, because it's good to see somebody actually achieve a goal. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifices that go into winning a championship of any kind. People have sacrificed and pulled together and, and united and overcome obstacles and in football overcome injuries and all kinds of sub-dramas and subplots. And, and to see some group of people actually persevere and make it to the finish line, that the sacrifices and all of the angst and all of the pain generates somebody achieving the goal for which they've given so much. It just gives us hope that, you know, if we persevere, we can make it through and and there's chances that we can achieve our own goals. And then the last one that they listed was, we just admire excellence. I mean, these athletes do things that we just can't do. I mean, not just football. Again, you've got gymnasts and and all kinds of uh, other sports, basketball, baseball, uh, all these other sports. They, They do amazing things with their bodies. Things that this body just was not apparently designed to do. And so you can see them doing these amazing feats and having this incredible agility and strength and and balance. And you say, wow, it's just good to see somebody do some things that I know I'll never be able to do. And we just admire, we appreciate excellence. And so it's, it's logical that we, would, that we would, you know, kind of develop a, a, um, a, nation, a national... Um, a national culture of this sports thing. And, and even outside of America, certainly you go outside of America, soccer and, and cricket and all these other sports, they've got the same kind of mania around it. And, and you know, the, the true sports person is, is known as a fan, right? Which is short for fanatic. A little fanatical. And, and the definition of fan, uh, fanatical, is, is, is uh, very straightforward. I think it's very descriptive. It says, a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal. <laughs> Means we're a little over the top. <laughs> a little bit more than seems normal. Like, you know, you go to the games and, you know, out here you got people with spiked shoulder pads on and they got like shields and spears and makeup. They got their, their kids painted different colors. And, and, and I think my favorite is still uh, the Green Bay Packers and it's like negative 200 degrees. And these guys are out there with no shirts on, painted orange and green. That takes some commitment to be out there in Green Bay. And so it's a little more than I think is probably normal, but that's what fans do. It, it, it's a little over the top. In, in, in our own Bay Area, we got, you know, a lot of sports teams. We got, you know, have you seen the Golden State Warrior mom? 
Google her. She's great. Just Google, go, I mean, she's having a ball. She's just into the moment and, and cheering on her team. Of course, you know, you got the Raiders, Black Hole, and, and, the, and the, that's, a, that's a picture of the, uh, the Giants when they won the World Series that people are celebrating in the streets and, and setting things on fire for some reason I don't quite understand. But we're excited and we're just, you know, we're kind of over the top. We're kind of doing probably a little too much, but it's, it's the moment we get caught up in and we love the camaraderie around it. And then you've got this last one over here on the right that is one I thought was pretty interesting. And it's, it's a 49ers fan holding up the banner, Forever Faithful. And if you're a Niners fan right now, it's a good time to be faithful. Good time to be forever faithful. Hold on to that real tight. But, you know, I I was struck as I was just kind of looking up images of fans. And that one caught me in particular. Because it made me think, now, that's maybe an interesting point there. I just thought it was interesting that they would use the term faithful for a sports team. And again, now I, I'm not on the bandwagon that says sports are evil or sports are bad or you can't be a Christian and love sports. I don't think that's true at all. But it just was interesting that they chose the word faithful. And when I thought about it some more, I said, you know, I, I, think, I think that's the dividing point. Because there is a difference between being a fan and being a player. There's a a different level that's required to be on the field as opposed to in the stands. And, And it made me stop and think, in this Christian game, if I can call it that, in this Christ following arena, you can't be in the stands. You gotta be on the field. God doesn't want us to just be in the background waving banners saying, go Jesus. That's not good enough. He wants us down on the gridiron, running the plays in the trenches, seeing our way through to the victory. And let let me give an example. If you got your Bibles open, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 5. I just, I just want to set this up and, and show you that I, I'm not just making this up. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus has been doing his ministry. He's been out doing amazing things and healing people, and people are following him. And it gets to this part of the story where he's about to call his followers. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 5, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesineret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And then it goes on and says he saw uh, Peter and some other folks at the water's edge. And as he went out there, uh, he, he got into the boats and they'd been fishing all night. They were really tired. They knew there was nothing out there, but they trusted Jesus. They followed him back out there in the daytime when fishing is usually horrible. They caught an amazing amount of fish. They come back. They say, God, we're going to follow you. Jesus, we're going to worship you. We'll, we'll follow you. And in verse number four, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in deep waters, let down the nets for the catch. He does this. Get down to verse 11. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. 
Now, I want you to understand this picture. It was amazing when we went to Israel. You're, you're sitting at the Sea of Galilee, and you're right on the edge of the, of the sea, and it's kind of this slope going uphill. So you've got this kind of amphitheater situation, right? So all, this, all the coastline is packed with people as Jesus is standing on the edge teaching. And they're like, yes, Jesus, you speak with authority. You speak with power. Yes, we believe you. Go, Jesus. We want to follow you. We want to be with you. And Jesus Jesus says, yeah, but not all of you are really with me. And he starts calling people out of the crowd to be his followers. And I just had this image that he saw the crowd and he thought the fans were okay, but not all of them are ready to get on the field with me. He wants us to be more than just fans. He wants us to be followers. So I made up a new word, phenolower. <laughs> Fan plus follower, phenolower. See, because I think we lose some of that when we think about being a follower of Christ. It's not just about doing the things that God wants us to do. It's about bringing some of that enthusiasm, some of that energy, some of that joy, some of that celebration into the walk with Christ. We are both fans and followers. He wants both of it. It's not this miserable, woe is me, Jesus don't let me have no fun kind of following. It's the excitement, the zeal, the enthusiasm, maybe even being a little over the top for Jesus that he wants us to be focused in on what it means to be a child of God and living it out with all the robustness that we bring to a game. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with following sports, but when I'm a bigger fan of a football team than I am of Jesus, there's a problem in my life. When I spend more time celebrating touchdowns than I do joy in rejoicing in the fact that the word of God applies to me and he has set me free, I got my priorities backwards. He's calling us to take that enthusiasm and the zeal that we see in sports. But just remember, those are just reflections of the celebration that we have with our Father in heaven. I want to I tie it back to the football framework again and say that there is something in here that speaks to what Jesus, I think, is calling us into. Um, Super Bowl is today, and... All these teams have been battling and fighting and struggling. We're down to two teams left. And do you know what the Patriots and the Falcons are playing for today? What's it called? Lombardi Trophy. Lombardi. Vince Lombardi, considered by many the greatest football coach that's ever lived. He's so good, the trophy's named after him. And so he is the one that is considered to be the sage, wise man of football. And he's got some incredible quotes, not just about football, but also about life. I want to give you one of these quotes. It says from Vince Lombardi, it says, The quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. Once a person has made a commitment to a way of life, they put the greatest strength in the world behind them. It's something we call heart power. Once a person has made this commitment, nothing will stop him short of success. So why saying? 
And actually, interestingly enough, it's one of the slogans from the Raiders, I think, commitment to excellence. And I wonder, do we live our faith life with a commitment to excellence? I mean, to be the best version of us that we can possibly muster. Let me, let me go back to our original scripture, the one that we started with from Paul about 1 Corinthians, because this is exactly what I think he is speaking into. Listen to what he says in verse number uh, 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He says, these athletes are amazing. They got 1% body fat. They don't eat anything but good stuff in. They have amazing discipline on how they spend their time and all the preparation and all the sacrifices that they do, and they are dedicated. They are committed to being excellent for something that is only going to last a little while. Case in point, who won the Super Bowl in 2002? You have no idea. And don't care. And next time this year, you'll have trouble remembering who won this year's Super Bowl. It's just fleeting. It passes away. And he says, now, if we can learn from the athletes that they put all of their heart and mind and soul and effort into winning a championship that is only going to be around for a few number of weeks, how much more should we be committing the best of ourselves for something that's going to be eternal? How committed should we be to living into something that will last forever? And then he says, so therefore, I don't live my life running around aimlessly. I don't spend my time beating the air for no point. I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave. That means I have to sacrifice. That means I can't respond to every whim and every thought and every desire. I make my body a slave so that I may be fit for the calling of Jesus on my life. I don't think we understand how serious Jesus is about this walk. He wants a commitment by us. He wants us to desire excellence in how he has made us. He wants us to live our potential out to the full that he may be glorified more fully in us. And I think, again, being an athlete is just a glimpse of what excellence looks like in the physical, and he has that same design for us in the spiritual. How do we do that? What does that look like? I want to give you five thoughts, five verses that I think just reinforces. These are, these are not the official ones, but when I thought about taking the enthusiasm, the, the little over-the-top enthusiasm of a fan and the obedience and the sacrifice of a follower to become a follower, these are some of the verses that came to my mind. The first one is be unashamed. Be unashamed. I mean, I love it when people will wear their gear no matter what's going on with your team. Your team is garbage. You've been rebuilding for three decades, but that's my team. And one day we're going to be victorious and I'm not ashamed to wear this jersey. And it doesn't matter what circumstances I'm facing. I have faith that one day my team will be victorious. 
And that's what Paul says in Romans 1, 6. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation. He believes that the gospel can deliver. The gospel is reliable. The gospel is the only truth upon which a life is worth building on. And he says, I'm not ashamed about it. I'm going to tell people about it whenever I can. I'm going to share the good news. I'm going to let people know who this Jesus is. I'm not going to sit around cowering because it's not cool to be a Christian right now. I'm not going to I'm not, gonna not find ways to allow God to use me and allow me to find ways of sharing the gospel, sometimes even if I don't even say anything. See, because you don't have to walk down the cubicles in your job bopping people on the head with Bibles as you go down and let them know you're a Christian. Maybe you could just tell them you're willing to pray for them. Maybe we could just give them a word of encouragement. Maybe we could just let our lives and our hearts and our caring for people demonstrate that there is something different that they receive from us than anybody else that they know. And allow God to open the doors. And when he does, walk through them boldly saying, oh, there is some good news I want to tell you about. There's somebody I want you to meet. And it doesn't have to be pushy, but it's not that we're sitting back so afraid to speak the name of Jesus that it might look like we're ashamed of him. Number two, Second Timothy says, fan into flame the gift of God. Use your gifts to serve. I mean, we just picked up these towels. If you were here last week and you were part of that, Pastor Long gave us these towels to, to, to be symbols and representatives of our desire to serve others for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if, if you know the word, you know that when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, he promised, he guaranteed that you have at least one gift custom made for you that he is going to use to allow you to be a witness to his glory and his power. See, but we can get a gift and just kind of sit on it. We can get a gift and know that, that it's there, and every now and then we kind of let it out, sometimes when it benefits us to use it, but we don't use our gift to be a benefit to somebody else. We, we, can, be, we can be too, too, too reserved, but God didn't give you that gift for you. The point of a spiritual gift is to allow the Spirit of God and the power of God to get in you and spill out of you to flow into somebody else's life. The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are designed for you to become a vessel of God's distribution of love and grace and mercy and peace and joy and hope in a world that is so desperate to know that God is there and cares. So we got to use our gifts. And when we do that, we, we allow the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God to be manifested. And, and then we got to be zealous about it. I mean, be, are you excited about being a child of God? Are, are you grateful that he says, I'm going to use you to let somebody who doesn't know me come closer to me. And you're exactly who I put in this place to do it. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter your degree or pedigree. It doesn't matter your career choice. Wherever God has planted you, he wants you to be zealous in allowing the kingdom of God to be manifested right where you are. It says never get tired of doing good. You ever got tired of doing good? Yes, you did. I know I do. It just seemed like it's not paying off fast enough. Like, like selfish gets you a, a rapids reward program. If I just keep it all to myself, it seemed like I'd get more stuff faster. But he says, never lose your zeal 
for allowing the spirit of God to flow. Be, be reckless. Be fanatic with how you bless people. Be, 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 be out of control with your generosity of your, your time and your talents and your treasure. Just go overboard sometimes with it and, and see if God doesn't fill you right back up. Because you know what? You cannot outgive a giving God. You can't do it. You can't get it out fast enough. He fills us right back up. He says, be zealous about serving. And then he says, clothe yourself. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones from Colossians 3.12. It says, close yourself with compassion and humility and all the fruit of the Spirit. He says, put it on. I, I love that one. Because to me, that's so... Re- you know what I love seeing? I love seeing when somebody has their jersey on and they wear it into enemy territory. <laughs> and they just go walking on in there. Just be standing there. I mean, like, you ever, I went, to, I went to a Raider game years ago, and I was at a Raider game, and there's all these people again, you got spikes and swords and all kinds of stuff, a lot going on. And so I was at the Raider game, and there was like six 49er fans, and one was in section like 13, and the other one was in section like 22, and whenever there was a good play for the Niners, they would have like a virtual high five across the stadium, <laughs> And, 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 and they, they said, well, it's just the two of us, but we're going to stand here in the middle of this hostile environment and rejoice that at least I got somebody with me. And I'm not taking my jersey off. I'm going to stand and represent my team. Anybody see how God is telling us to do the same thing? In the middle of the places that we work and the places that we live and the places that we hang out and the people that we know, in the middle of those dark and sinful places, some of which you shouldn't be at, but some of them, (laughs) some of them God wants you there, clothed in his outfit so that someone who doesn't know him may come to find him because you're there. He says, just put it on. Put on my jersey. But I think he wants to to do it for real. See, because this this is one of those things that you can, again, you got to be on the field. There's there's a commercial that's been playing. Maybe you've seen it. It's got uh, like um, an NFL player. And I think it was like a kicker or a quarterback. I think Drew Brees did one. And so he's sitting there, and Drew Brees is saying, I've been in the league for X amount of years, and I've thrown this amount of touchdowns, and I've ran this many yards, and I came back from this many injuries. And he's, he's running down his resume, and he said, and yeah, and I'm, I'm here when I got my jersey. And then there's some like little six-year-old kid, too, who said, my mom bought this online for $29.99. We got the same jersey on. And the implication is, you don't have to go through all that. Just put the jersey on. But Jesus don't want you to just put the jersey on. See, that's exactly what nominal Christian means. See, I can wear the jersey. I can come to church. I can sing some songs. I might even help somebody out or throw a couple of bucks in a little tray as it goes by. But I'm a believer in name only. Nothing in my life. I'm not sacrificing myself. I'm not killing my flesh. I'm not beating my body back to become obedient, to become excellent, to live in my gifts. I just got a shirt on because I got it and it was pretty cheap to get. But God is saying, no, I don't want you 
to just be a fan. I want you to be a follower. I want you to be all in. I want you to be committed. I want you to desire, and I want you to clothe yourself in the real me. I want you to clothe yourself in in not your own made-up way of being, but living out of the understanding of who I have called you to be. I want you to die to yourself that I may more fully live into you. I want you to rejoice in your weaknesses because it gives me a chance to be strong through you. I want you not to, not to be so angry that you have limitations on your life because your limitations remind you that you're dependent on me. I want you to clothe yourself with humility and cry out that you need a Savior who can do more for you than you could ever do by yourself. Last one. I think a phenolower is unashamed, is using their gifts, is zealous, is clothed with the character of Christ, and is committed to building the family of God. Committed to it. I think in America, we have a case where our faith has become too much like a consumer product. That I show up to church when I need me a pick-me-up. And I'm so blessed when people say, your sermon spoke to me today. That was a word from God that I needed. Praise God for that. Praise God that he can use broken jars of clay to speak to his people. But all I'm saying is that The only time we come to church, it shouldn't be to be in a receiving posture. Sometimes I'm coming to give. Actually, most of the time I'm coming to serve. I'm coming to be in the presence of my God and to see how he might use me in this this situation or how he may be sending me out to serve him outside these other places I go. But I'm building the community of God. I'm committed to these wonderful people that God has placed around me. I'm committed to your growth just like I'm committed to my own. I'm willing to sacrifice some of what I have so that you may have what you need. It's the we of the body of Christ, not just about me. And when I I have that mindset, then I think God releases a special revelation, a special blessing. I think that's why the Bible says, where two or more are present, I will be there in the midst. You can praise God by yourself. You can worship God by yourself. I'm not in any way trying to minimize the the, the sanctity of of our individual connections with God. But I'm saying when we do it in community, a special pouring out of God's grace happens. A special manifestation of his gifts happen when I am walking beside a brother or sister, encouraging them, saying, you know what? (laughs) You don't even see how God is working in your life. That's what he says in Hebrews. Don't neglect the habit of assembling together so that you can encourage one another. Have you been encouraged by anybody in this church? Has anybody come up and spoken a word to you just in the nick of time when you was worn out and tired out and drug out and someone came and spoke a word to you that they don't even know how much it meant to you? Just right in time. That's God using the brothers and sisters that we have in his family to minister to us. And he says, don't don't neglect that habit. I'm going to tell you what, once a month church ain't enough. 
That's so cute. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the ministry of Mickey Mouse, Father. <laughs> Got me all on now. I forgot what I was saying. Mickey Mouse, book of second Mickey. Um, <laughs> what I was saying is that God gives us this wonderful gift of family. And that we have the ability to love one another well. To remind each other that the spirit of a living God dwells inside of you. Even when you're surrounded behind enemy lines. Even when you've stumbled and made some mistakes. Even when you're not ready, you feel like, to be used by God. God will send his brothers and sisters, his children, to remind you that you're the apple of his eye. That you are to die for. That he loves you more than you can ever imagine. So I pray that today, as we go off and celebrate the Super Bowl and celebrate the joy of the day and the good food and the friends and the family, that we are reminded that this is only a dim reflection of the joy that we have from Christ. See, and and Paul gives us a word of a word of conviction here at the end of this, at the end of the scripture. He says, (laughs) let me get it. He says, after I have preached to others, I want to make sure that I will not be disqualified for the prize. I mean, wouldn't it be horrible? I remember that movie. Remember that movie, Left Behind? I think I was just going into ministry when that movie came out. And I don't know if you remember that movie, but the pastor was up there preaching, and his whole church went to heaven. That brother was sitting there like this. That scared the mess out of me. I think about that from time to time. I'm going to be mad. Y'all gone and rejoicing. And I'm sitting there like. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I don't want to be disqualified. I, I don't want to have a life that isn't submitted and committed and authentically in relationship with Jesus. I don't want to just talk about him and pray other people to glory. And I'm sitting like, Jesus. Got room for one more? I want to be in. I want him to call me by name. I want him to say that that's one of my kids right there. Oh, they were faithful. Oh, they sacrificed. Oh, they were generous. Oh, they used their time. They used the resources I gave them. They were good stewards. They managed the things I put in their hand to bring me glory before they bought themselves glory. I want to hear that phrase that we say so much. Well done. I want him to look at me and say, well done. My good and faithful servant. But you know what? I think you got to be on the field to do that. I think you got to be on the field to receive the blessings that God wants for you. 
I don't think he wants us in the crowd waving the banner, saying the words. I think he wants us on the battlefield with him. That he may protect us and guide us and lead us to the victory that brings him glory. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.